to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is financial advisor and money coach, Jody Lynn Craven. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we're especially glad to have Jody Lynn back. She is rested and smiling and must have had a great time on vacation. It kind of looks like that on your face anyway. Yes. Lots of sun. It was wonderful. Thank you. But I'm glad to be back. I missed you guys. Yeah. It was great to have you back. It's not quite the same when uh, co-hosts are away, especially somebody as wonderful as you. So thank you for joining us again. This is a wonderful thing. And we also have a guest, as usual, joining us today. Her name is Simone Canego. And Simone is uh, one of those people who has addressed a very important issue that has been on the mind of particularly women for generations. And she's addressed it in a very interesting way because it turns out it really is a challenge to try to balance everything in life. And she has figured out some ideas on how to do that. So, Simone, first of all, thank you for joining us on the show. And second of all, congratulations for figuring it out. This is something that people have been worrying about for a long time, and you've got to figure. That's great. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And, um, yeah, I've figured out a few things, but we'll see how that goes. So, all right, well, let's let's go right to your strength, to your wheelhouse. So tell us what you figured out, how you figured it out, and what it is that you're doing to help share it. So I figured out the uh, work-home balance. Not really. I mean, I think that it is understanding that it's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to let certain things go. Um, it's about prioritizing, and so I like sharing information through my book and through speaking and small group events with other women. Because I think a lot of times when we are in a situation, we feel like we're alone. We don't realize that a lot of our struggles people share with us. And the most important thing we can do for other people is talk about them. Very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, as I was doing the introduction, I was thinking to myself what it was like when I was growing up. Of course, that was a different era, but I was remembering this was like the very earliest stages of women's liberation. We're in the midst of a lot of racial struggles. Um, it was the 60s and 70s. I mean, all I have to do is just name those two decades, and that just kind of brings up all kinds of things for people. So it gives you an idea of what it was like. And I remember distinctly during that time, I remember my mom kind of I, I would not call her a woman's liver by any stretch of the imagination, but she was trying to find her own balance. She, she wasn't entrepreneurial. She wasn't trying to create that kind of career for herself, but she was trying to carve out a way for herself to not only, you know, look out for the family, but also to develop a, a work relationship. And I'm not sure she ever actually resolved that partly because of, of the era that she was in. She was still dealing with a lot of the old stereotypes that were pretty heavy. They were pretty strong at that point. But also because it was new. I mean, it, it was it was not something that women had really even thought about before her generation. It was brand, brand new. So I'm kind of curious to know, particularly for you in your case, where do you see the biggest shifts that led to you being able to make changes in your own life um, from people in the past, and where do you find that you've been able to add your own flavor, your own contributions to that ongoing conversation? Because that's what it really has been. It's been a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So my mom actually was a physician. She went to medical school in the 
early 1960s. She was wow. one of five women in her medical school class out of a wow. hundred and something people. Yeah. Um, but more impressive is she grew up in rural Pennsylvania. She, her mother had a sixth grade education. Her dad worked in the coal mines in a local brewery. And, um, but she knew from a young age that she wanted to be educated. And that was really hard. Like when mm-hmm. she went to college, um, she worked three jobs to get into college and then she worked oh. three jobs while she was in college. You know, she had to do it completely on her own. There was no money for it. And I think her biggest struggle was finding her voice. And I would say still today, she turns 83 this month. Her struggle is still finding her voice because for so oh. long she was told that she is a woman working in a man's world and her voice didn't matter. And it took um, a long time for her to look back and see the things that she had accomplished. And so when I look at her, getting back to your original question, <laughs> when I look at her and think, you know, this woman accomplished so much, but she still doesn't even see it because she always felt so overshadowed by so many other things. And I kind of look at it and say, okay, what difference am I making in the world what am I doing every day that makes a difference? Because each of each and every one of us do something every day that makes a difference in the world, your corner of the world, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think starting there, figuring out who you are, what you want and what you bring, because we do all bring something. Um, that's kind of how we can move forward and stop being so judgmental and stop focusing on the things we don't feel we can accomplish and focusing on what we do accomplish every day. Wait a minute, we have to let go of judgmentalism? <laughs> okay, okay. There's a lot. How much time do we have? Seriously, I mean, you know. We have an hour, so go for it, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that one's a hard one, though. Well, it's it's really hard. Um, you know, I mean, we, what do we see every day? You, you, I mean, I don't even talk about the news, but social media, you turn something on and you see what, Everyone else's perfect life is, even though we know that that is social media, that's not what's happening every day in someone's life. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's very hard in teaching our kids that, hey, take a step back, look at, look at what's going on that that's a snapshot. That's a moment in time. You have that same snapshot. You can take it anywhere you want, but, you know, really look at all the other parts of your day that, um, and stop looking at anybody else and saying, I wish I could be them because you're never going to be them. Look at yourself. Look at the difference you're making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really important. In fact, I think it's probably an issue that is not only continuing today, it's going to continue for some time as more and more people become aware of the potential that they have simply by loving themselves more, giving themselves more attention, giving themselves cutting more slack and basically recognizing their own contributions. You mentioned your mom. Uh, she she still doesn't quite recognize what she's been able to do. Mm-hmm. I, I could say the same thing for my mom. In fact, with my mom, one of the things that struck me right near the end of her life, she never really allowed herself to know what she wanted to do with her life. It's that it's such a hard thing. So it, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I can tell you when I have conversations with other women in, in this realm, talking about like, okay what you're doing, what, where you feel like you're struggling. Um, a lot of it comes back to a question that I would, I would ask is what do you want? Well, I don't, I don't know what I want. I, I don't, I've always just 
done what I had to do. So I've never really thought about it like that. And I kind of feel like we have to start at the point of what do we want and then figure out how to then set the goals so that we can get there versus just saying, I have to do this because this is what my mom did, or I have to do this because this is what I'm told I have to do versus wait, you know what? I actually want to do this and I know I can accomplish it because I believe in myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely true. In fact, if, if you don't know what you want, how can you get it? But I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, the, you know, one, one of the big struggles, right? Like just figuring yeah. that piece out. I can tell you over my lifetime. So I, I just turned 50 and I've done many things. I started off as a CPA. I graduated with a bachelor's and master's in accounting. And then I ran a horse farm and then I went wow. back to school to be a teacher and then I flipped houses and then I worked in medical sales until I finally figured out, and there's more, um, there's lots of little things in there. But, but wait, there's more. But, wait, but, wait, yeah. <laughs> but until I really figured out what do I love? What am I passionate about? What do I want to do when I, you know, when I'm, when I'm done, when I slide into home plate, like, mm. do I want to make sure that I let left everything out there or do I want to feel like I wish I would have? And I don't want to do the, I wish I would have. So figuring out what I really wanted to do was, what am I good at? What do I love? I love sharing stories. I, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ridiculousness of life, you know, and not just the shiny moments because the way you impact other people is by being authentic, being real and, and sharing the really difficult stuff so that people realize that they're not alone. I love the fact that you tr kept trying things. I mean, look at what, what was oh. on your resume. You know, you just went from one field to the next. Okay, I'm going to try this one. Well, that wasn't quite right. I'm going to try this one. Well, okay, but I'm going to go over here. You just kept trying things. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, uh, kudos to you for that. A lot of people don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Well. Most people get like stuck in, in, you know, the judgment area of like, oh, uh -oh I there should because I paid judgment. so much money. <laughs> yeah, right? I paid so much money for that. I should probably do that. I should stick to one thing, you know. Uh, that's, that's so amazing that you had the courage throughout your life to say, no, I want to stand up for what I truly want and what, what I think my life should look like. And that's beautiful. I mean, some people are blessed to know from the beginning that, you know, when they start, but for me to decide when I was, I started college at 17 to decide, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I started off thinking I was going to be a physician. Both my parents were physicians. Hey, I'm going to be a doctor. And then I failed organic chemistry. And then I took it <laughs> yeah. again and got a D. Okay. So there, whoop, medical school gone. <laughs> yeah. And so my dad was like, well, you're good at math. You should be an accountant. And I'm like, okay. I don't know if I really want to do that. He's like, well, you're good at math. You should be an accountant. Okay. Fine. Uh -oh. okay. Um, mm. yeah, it was one of those things. Well, yeah. I paid the bills. I mean, he was an amazing man, but, um, you know, he definitely was like, this is what you, you'll be good at this. You should do this. And, you know, I look at my kids now and I say, so I just went through this with my daughter. She just graduated two weeks ago from Brandeis University and her, Ooh. yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and she, from the time she was little, she wanted to be a doctor, but guess what? She got into college and she started doing stuff and she decided that's what wasn't what she wanted to do, but she kept saying to us like, yeah, yeah, I, I still want to do this. You know, we paid for the MCAT course and I think she had a sense of guilt that, Hey, we've spent all this money. So I need to do this. So, you know, and she takes the MCAT and she did great, but she was like, she finally said, I don't want to do this. And I was like, great. 
you need to be happy. You know, you should have told me before we paid for the course, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but you know, like really figuring out what you, what you want. I don't care what they do as long as they're passionate about it and it's something that they really want. Because I know for me, I tried so many different things because I felt the pressure to say, Oh, I have to commit to something right now. And okay, maybe it's not what I want, but it'll work for now instead of saying, what do I really want? Yeah, I know exactly how she felt because when I went to school, I went to school um, pre-law and then I I went to a school where you could actually take pre-law courses and I took my first pre-law courses and absolutely hated them, absolutely <laughs> despised them. Like, no, 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 no. That was the way I felt. But just like you were saying, I felt guilty. My parents had poured all this money into this college education and I was turning it down. Now, I, I felt lost. I literally felt lost. Like I didn't know what to do my last couple of years of school because mm -hmm. the plan had gotten shot down and we were not at a point in time in, in society's overall development where we had, we, we had models, role models we could follow who had changed careers in the, in that changed careers, changed paths in the middle of, of even starting a career. So there were no models to follow. I mean, my dad was certainly not a model I could follow. He worked for the same company for 44 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was, there was yeah. nothing to follow. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I know exactly how she felt because that, that's, that, that's a rough place to be in if you don't know how to shift or even know that you have permission to shift out of a path you've been on all along. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that was the big thing is that I think she needed the permission, permission, which she shouldn't, she shouldn't need that from, from really. us, of course. No. Right. Like, but, um, I think that because she had set herself in that direction for so long, she felt like she was committed and therefore she had to follow through. And I was like, well, have you not seen my life? Have you seen how many <laughs> times I have changed my mind? And I talk about it all the time. It's okay to change your mind. Um, so that should apply to my children as well, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it was, let me tell you, as soon as she finally told us and said, I was like, oh my gosh, you're so much happier now. Okay. Take a gap year, figure it out, get a job. I don't care what job. You just got to pay the rent and, you know, move forward. So. You cued a question in my mind when you described how, you know, well, pay attention to my life. Here's what I did. See, uh, the question that comes to my mind is who do you think learns more? Does a parent learn more from the child or does oh. the child learn more from the parent? Ooh, I think many days I learn more from my children than they learn from me. Sometimes they learn what not to do from me, um, <laughs> but I learn so much from them, especially with six kids that are so different and, you know, every, everything about them is so different and what they bring to the, what, what they bring to every conversation. And so, you know, every day is a new learning experience and they, a lot of times they really keep me, you know, in check because they're like, wait. That is not your normal self. What's going on there? So they're really, they're really good to kind of bring me back to reality and say, you okay there, mom? <laughs> well, they're also an opportunity to develop your people skills too. You got six people you're dealing with. Like you said, very, very different personalities, <laughs> different no ideas, right? You know, so you have six different opportunities over and over again throughout their development to develop. How do you handle this, this relationship? How do you develop that relationship? What do you do when this relationship over here doesn't quite work out the way it was supposed to work out and so on and so forth? Yeah. I mean, really amazing tools that they have, have given me because so, 
you know, I had three biologic children first and then we adopted our son Noah from South Korea. And Mm. here I thought like, oh, I'm, of course I'm patient. I have three children. I, I didn't know what patience was like, you know, flying home with him on a plane from Seoul to Chicago. That flight was about 16 hours and he cried almost the entire time. Um, yeah. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I not good at this? Like, I think I've done it three times. Like I should be okay that no, I couldn't figure it. Like, so I had to kind of give myself permission to be okay, not being okay, because it took me a long time to figure out what I, what I needed to work, what I needed to be able to work with him on what he needed. So, Mm. you know, taking that, that step back and saying like, just because it worked for child number one and two doesn't mean it's going to work for the other ones, learn what they need. And so every day is a learning experience with these kids. Trust me. (laughs) No kidding. Wow. I mean, Jody Lynn, you're you're in the process with you and your husband, you're you're trying to start a family. And I'm wondering, do you think forward to like this kind of stuff coming up once you have your family going? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I mean, when you're in this, this stage that I'm in of, you know, trying to have a family and whatever, I think there's a, a lot of things that come up or a lot of things that have come up for me of, of like, what's my life going to look like? And, you know, what will I be able to do? And, you know, you know, there might be a good baby. There might be a, a bad baby or whatever, <laughs> a difficult baby or, you know, there's people that will tell me all the time, like your whole life is going to change and you're never going to sleep again, or you're never <laughs> going to be able to do the, have the life you had before. And, um, I, I choose not to believe that we'll see what happens <laughs> when we get there. But um I'm just leaving it open to, you know, God to, to figure it all out. <laughs> but yeah, I think having that flexibility of that, you know, um everybody loves to tell you how it's going to be or how it should be. And again, parenting itself is so different for every single person. Mm-hmm. And you know, you wake up every morning and you have a choice. You can choose to be happy. You can choose to be miserable and you can choose to say, okay, so I only slept three hours last night. Tonight I'm going to do better. Whatever, whatever it is that you, you know, um, but I look back now and because my youngest is now 14 and she's taller than me. And, you know, I, I think like all those moments where we would complain where they would wake up in the middle of the night and they want to climb into bed and they, you know, they kick you the whole time. Honestly, I miss those moments. Like those are no things kidding. that you you can't get that time back. So um all the things I thought were struggles when I was younger are truly blessings and things that I just they make me a better may have made me a better person. Mm-hmm. I picked yeah. up on what you were saying earlier too about um in that last statement about how we have a choice. We get a choice about how we're going to react and respond to stuff. And it occurred to me as you were saying that that's probably one of the best examples you can provide for your children, mm-hmm. demonstrating for them that, that that you always have a choice and therefore they always have a choice. Literally, we get to choose how we're going to handle anything that comes our way. It's not like we're locked in. You know, situation X is a sad situation. Therefore, we're going to feel sad. Situation Y is a happy situation. Therefore, we're going to feel happy. We get to decide. It's up to us. Yeah, mm-hmm. co- completely. And I'll tell you a funny story that my daughter who she was 13 at the time, but she's 14 now. So she, we were in, um, we're waiting to go in the Starbucks drive through and I'm leaving enough space thinking like, okay, I'm being really good here in the parking lot. Cause the line was huge. And so I didn't want to bar- block any of the parking spaces. And 
So I kind of left this optimal space around the car. Well, of course, the line in the actual drive-thru starts moving and someone jumps in front of me into the drive-thru line. And (laughs) so, okay, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. It's not like I really had anywhere to go. I was taking my daughter to get a drink at Starbucks. Like, what's the big deal? Okay, well, it was a big deal. And in the moment, I lost it. Like, I was like, you know, all kinds of words were coming out of my mouth, you know, and her eyes get real big and she looks at me. She's like, are are you okay? I'm like, Mm. yeah, I'm okay. And she's like, really? Really? Cause, um, I think you might've forgotten a few things about patience and kindness and understanding. I think you might need to uh, reread your own book. Um, yeah, that's, that's where she went. And, um, she was so right. Like I, in that moment, I was like, why am I angry about this? This is ridiculous. Okay. So what? Like, she's like, you always tell us, like, you never know what anybody else is going through. You can't walk in their shoes. You will never be in that same moment in time. Maybe she was having a bad morning. Maybe she really needed a cup of coffee. You know, who knows? And, or maybe she didn't even notice that you were standing, waiting there. And yeah, she went through and this is my 13 year old. You know, this is like, whoa, this is some pretty solid advice who you've been listening to. And so. And then, of course, we, and then I'm laughing at myself thinking, this is so ridiculous. I cannot believe this is how I just behaved. Um, and then we get up, of course, to the window to pay and the woman who cut us off paid for our drinks. Oh. So, yes, Aww. yes, it was one of those moments. And, and so then my daughter said, well, since she paid for our drinks, can we pay for the person behind us? And how long do you think that will last for? Like, how many cars do you think that will come through here? I was like, until the bill gets to be like 20 bucks. At that point, someone's going to say, nah, I just want my, well, coffee's now $5, but a $5 coffee, that's it. So, um, but you know, one of those things of that you, you know, we're all human. We all have these moments and it's kind of realizing, okay, how do we be true to ourselves? And but also give ourselves grace for saying, okay, yeah, you can be ridiculous sometimes, but just like realize that you're being ridiculous instead of just being angry about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, Find wait. a way to pin- pinpoint it for yourself or have good people like your daughter around to show you too. <laughs> yeah. Hey mom, that was ridiculous. Move on. <laughs> or, or to look at it another way. Um, when my, my wife is a former psychotherapist and Early on when we met, I started, you know, hey, you're married, you're, you're getting married to a psychotherapist. You're going to learn stuff, right? You're going to pick her brain, try to figure stuff out, understand how the psychology of people works and so forth. And so I would do that. And within a very short period of time, I would find myself doing the same thing that your daughter was doing with you. And my wife's response to it was always the same thing. Damn, I can't get away with anything anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. That's what my husband says to me. <laughs> he's he's my he's you know my version of your thirteen year old daughter. He'll be like, mm, "Don't you teach that?" Like, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. And you're I like, mean, "Shut up!" <laughs> I know. We all we all kind of need that person though, right? Like, so in those moments where we are like, "Oh, they're so right." Hate to say that they're right, but they're so right. <laughs> well, the world is our mirror, and that's what the people are. The people are the mirrors, you know, reflecting back to us what it is that we're putting out there. So I, I think it's actually very valuable to have those reflections, assuming we're willing to, you know, pay attention to them, because yeah. those reflections are telling us exactly where we're at right now, where we're at vibrationally, where we're at relationally, where we're at in our careers, where we're at with our families, where we're at with everything. So I, I think they're actually very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, trust me, that's not the only time it's happened, but it's, you know, it, it is those moments where I'm like, okay, wait, 
this is actually, a, even though I acted ridiculous, it was actually a really good thing because I realized, ooh, she is paying attention. She is learning <laughs> what I'm saying. And she's making me a better person right now. Like, I love this. So, um, you know, they do yeah, listen. That, that's yeah. Proud attention. mama moment. Yeah. Right. I, yes. I was like, ooh, yeah. this is a good one. Even though I, I was ridiculous, she was amazing. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, now you know you're setting the right example. That's fabulous. Yeah, well, also teaching her what not to do. Hey, you don't need to have a freak out in the Starbucks drive-thru. That was a what not to do moment with her teaching me of what to do or who I, you know, being true to myself. So, yeah. 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 So what else can you tell us about the, 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 the skill set that's involved in balancing it all? Because you do have a career, you do have your family, you do have, you, you, you have managed to find a way to, to attain that balance that really makes it possible to have it all. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start by saying I truly don't believe in the balance part. And that's probably why the balance works, because I understand that there are things that have to give. There are days you cannot get everything, get everything done every day. It just doesn't work. You know, I make a list. Half the time I lose the list. I have a strategy for that. I now make my list on pink paper because when you have a piece of pink paper, you're going to see it other than, you know, again, when you have six kids, there's papers everywhere. Um, and I'm like, you can't take my pink paper because you know, it's not your homework. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that understanding that there are only so many hours in the day. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to try to get everything done. We're okay. By, by five o'clock, we have to have all of these things done. And if, I don't get them done, then I have therefore failed. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I say, okay, here's my list. Let's prioritize. So what do I absolutely have to get done today? Okay. The, the kids have to be fed. Whoop, number one, like that has to, that has to get done. Um, you know, when I'm talking about responding to emails, those I try to do as quickly as possible because in this day and age, people expect a response really quickly um, within what 24 hours is usually the goal. Sometimes I don't always see everything and that's okay too. But I think that really giving ourselves the permission to say today, it just isn't going to happen and, and be okay with it and say, that's what tomorrow's for tomorrow. I can get to this thing. And you know what, if, if it doesn't happen tomorrow, you have the next day. So, um, but I think we get so caught up and so frustrated with ourselves what, that we can't get it all done. And, oh, look at Sarah. Sarah's life, she she gets everything done. Everything is, you know, she works 50 hours a week and her kids always look, their clothing always looks immaculate and they're got straight A's in school. Well, you know what? Sarah struggles too. So, like, what we see is what we see. But what's actually happening is is completely different from what we see. So I think reminding ourselves that, hey, like, you're not the only one that's struggling with this and that there is only there, there, you have only so many hours in the day to get it done mm-hmm. and understanding that it's okay if you don't finish. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it's like- fascinating that um, women and men are so different in this, or I've witnessed men and women being different in, in this way where, you know, there's a list of 10 things to do and a guy gets one done and he's like, yeah, I'm the man. And then a woman <laughs> gets nine out of 10 done and, and she will beat herself up over, you know, I didn't get all of them done. And, and I really struggled with that concept and, you know, at different 
levels and different forms within my life. Like even last summer, I remember thinking like, I'm so overwhelmed and I have all this stuff to do. And, and I sat myself down and was like, okay, Jody Lynn, like, what do you need to do? Like, what do you have to do? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I have to, I have to do the dishes and I have to clean the house. And I also have, uh, you know, I run this business and this business and now I have to do this over here. And, and, and the question that came to me in that moment was like, well, who says, and what if you don't? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah. if I don't, it means I'm a bad wife. I'm a bad spouse. And I really had to check myself and, and say, is that absolutely true? Like if I didn't, you know, clean the house or do this or whatever imaginary list I have in my freaking mind, it does that mean I'm a bad spouse. And who says that that makes a good spouse? And all of these things were coming up and it was like, oh, my husband, Nate, he, you know, he expects me to do all of these things. And then I had to check myself again. Okay. Have I ever asked him what Mm -hmm. he expects out of me? No. (laughs) So I asked him, I'm like, Hey babe, I have a question for you. And he's like, Oh God, (laughs) (laughs) where are we going? Yeah. Oh, where are we going with this one? And I, I simply just asked him, which I felt like took a lot of courage. What do you expect out of me as a wife when it comes to our home? And he said, nothing. I want you to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I was able to like give myself that grace and let myself off the hook that, you know, today the dishes aren't getting done and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. That was hard. And, but it, it's interesting that a couple of things that you said there, but yeah, we, I think a lot of times we put pressure on ourselves, but we don't even know where the pressure is coming from because mm-hmm. we don't ask the questions We're we're like, wait, no, he didn't, he didn't care about that. Like he'd rather spend time with me hanging out than he would me standing there doing the dishes. Like there's only, again, you only have so much time in the day. Um, but also it's, it is very different between men and women, how they tackle their lists and how they feel accomplishment. And even, you know, I read a statistic recently about when the difference between men and women, when they apply for a job, like women feel that they have to meet a hundred percent of the requirements before they're willing to apply for a job where men are around 60%. Yeah, I got this. You know, I got 60% of it. I can do all of it. I, I'll be great. You know, and women just don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something I think we need to change. We need to realize that our skill sets are what will, you know, are the most important thing that we bring to a job versus to check every box because a lot of things we can learn as we go. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm reluctant to speak for all men, but I will say this. Men feel all those things that you were talking about. We just won't admit it. So there's, that's very interesting. Right? Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of the, the whole male mystique is you're, you're, you're a strong man, right? You can, you can handle anything in life. So you live up to the mystique. It doesn't have to be true. Mm-hmm. You just live up to it. And if, yeah. it, if you pay a price for it, well, you pay a price for it. That's just part of being a man. Mm. <laughs> but we still feel all the same stuff. We just, well, you'll never get many of us to say it. You'll never get any of us to, there are so many of us who we, we won't even go there if you try to go there. Yeah. But that doesn't no, even I, feel it. I see that. I see that even with my husband, I'll be like, you know, um, he, I can see that he's not comfortable in a situation, but he'll still follow through on it just because he feels like he has to, because that's what he's supposed to do. And nobody's going to look at him otherwise and say, oh, well. but for role. me, I'm, you know, I'm like, nah. That's, that's not for me. I'm, 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 I'm stepping back. <laughs> that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what real healthiness is. Healthiness is basically saying my mental state, my emotional state, my physical state are more important than my list. And, and it's, but it took me a long time to get to that point. I can tell you, mm-hmm. 
you know, the first 40 years, I constantly felt like I had to be doing all of it going and really going from point A to point B with my head down just to finish everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing and not realizing, wait, that's not how life should work. Like you, yes, you, you still need to go from point A to point B, but it's the stuff in the middle that really matters the most and enjoying that instead of just trying to check everything off the list, you know? And I had a friend years ago that said to me, when you talk about cleaning the house, she said, um, you know, when you get older, do you think your kids are going to remember the time you spent with them or how clean the house was? And um, <laughs> so she's like, I know my kids are going to remember the fun things we did and the times we spent together. And not that, you know, one Friday morning I had to leave the dishes in the sink before I took them to school. They don't care about that. They, they want that attention. They want to be, mm-hmm. they want to be hanging out. So um, I thought that was really great advice. Yeah. A lot of this too, things like the dishes, they, what they really are all about is how we feel about ourselves. You know, mm. If I, if I leave the dishes mm. in the, in, in the sink or even outside the sink, heaven forbid on the counters, yeah. you know, on the, di- on the stove, for goodness sake, you know, if I do that, what does that say about me? It, it says I'm a terrible fill in the blank with whatever blank you want to fill it in with. I mean, it's up to you what you put in there, but that's what we do. We fill it in with, well, I'm, I'm a terrible parent. I'm a terrible husband. I'm a terrible wife. I'm, I, I, I screwed up. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a fit member of society because I did that. Yeah. Or I'm so disorganized that I can't even finish this one thing. Yeah. Like I, I see it like that sometimes where I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, I can't even finish everything in my day. Like I can't get the dishes done and Yeah. They'll still be there. They'll still be there. They're not going anywhere. Trust me. No, there's no magic fairy coming in to do your dishes in the middle of the night. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Yeah. You know, and with six kids, you would think there would be one of them. One of them would be a magic fairy, but you know, yeah, you got to put in severe requests with those magic fairies. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting too is that, you know, we've all walked into someone else's home that wasn't like absolutely perfect. And I know for myself, I can't speak for you guys, but I would assume it's the same walking into their home when they're like, Oh, excuse my mess. Most of the time I'm like, what are you freaking talking about? This place is like, <laughs> I need off your floor. Like this is wonderful. You know, it's not the first thing that you're thinking of. You're not judging them. And I try and remind myself of that when I'm being hard on myself is how, how would my best friend judge me or how would the people that I care about, how, what would they think about this situ- situation? They probably wouldn't think anything. They don't even care. I don't think I've ever walked in someone's house and said, oh my gosh, it is so (laughs) messy in here. I can't believe it. You know, never. Never. Do I ever look at their, you know, floor, whatever they're called, their their baseboards and say, oh my gosh, you have a lot of dust. No, I've never done that. Like, so why are we doing that to ourselves? Exactly. -hmm. Jody, how often have we talked lately, like the last month, month and a half about how much we beat ourselves up? Yeah, a lot. Right? Yeah. This is like, this has been an ongoing theme that we've been really addressing over and over again. In fact, one of the ways we've enjoyed saying it, Simone, is if we treated our best friends the way we treat ourselves, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have any best friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we are way too hard on ourselves. And, you know, that it starts with trying to say like, oh, my life has to be balanced. It's figuring out what balance means for you. So mm-hmm. everybody's life isn't, nobody's life is the same, right? Everybody mm-hmm. is so different from each other. So when you look at what balance is for you, for me, it, it someone else would look at my life and say, oh my gosh, she is so unbalanced. I can't even tell you. But you know, that's what works for me is that I, I get it all done, just not always 
in the order I thought I was going to get it done. You know, again, when I make my list on my pink paper, then, and, <laughs> and I forget about it for a bit and I come back and I'm like, Oh, look, it's all done. I didn't even go back and check it off, but it just, it all got done eventually. Yeah. I was thinking about one of the times, not very recently, actually, I think it was pre COVID now that I think about it, um, visiting friends and that comment came out of her mouth. Uh, you know, sorry, the place is a mess. And, and I don't think I actually said it. Knowing me, I actually could have said it. I, I'm not really 100% certain, but I don't think I actually said it. But went through, what went through my mind was this. Really? What does it look like when it's clean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have been in people's houses that, um, and they have children and you're wondering how do they live here because it is so immaculate. There is not one thing out of place. Mm. And I think like, that can't be too fun. Like, you know, how do you, how do you, and of course I shouldn't be judging them, but I'm thinking like, how do you have everything so perfectly organized and have children, but I guess they weren't really running around. They probably have like a, a room that they hang out in, but, um, in our house, we live in it, right? Like we trust yeah. me, I, I, it gets cleaned. I clean it and, you know, I do laundry every single day. Um, but oh my goodness. Well, wow. Again, <laughs> kind of have to other, if you missed a day, then that next day is like brutal. Um, <laughs> and I don't even understand the outfit changes sometimes. I'm kind of like, where do, you didn't even go anywhere. Why are there three different dirty outfits? And I did see you wear all of them, them, but what to go in one room, you wore an outfit and then you switched again. I don't really get it. <laughs> They're emulating Downton Abbey. That's what they were doing. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> could happen in this house. You never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we live here. So like we want to enjoy this space and you know, there, there'll be days where my husband's like starting to get the cave look like, you know, if I have mail piled up in one place and I hadn't got, haven't gotten to it or whatever, or like his desk always has the cave look, but I don't call it the cave look. I just say it's his, his version of, you know, his, his desk is that's his reality. Like he likes it that way. He knows where everything is. Um, but again, looking at anybody else's life and saying, well, okay, you're, you should be doing it this way. You got to do what works for you. Mm -hmm. It's very true. Now that you've come through, let's see, you, you, you say you're in your fifties now, you've got six kids. So we'll just kind of probably paint like 20, 30 year period, something like mm -hmm. that. Once you've, once you've come on to this side of that 20 to 30 year period, do you feel a lot about the elements of that period that you remember the same way that you you feel about what you referred to earlier about how, you know, stuff that, that bothered you before. Now you find it to be you know, the greatest virtues that you, that you can hardly think about without putting a smile on your face. Do you, do you find that's true for virtually the entire period? Well, there's things that I'll look back and say, I can't believe I did that. That was ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I think that I, I, I've had a lot of people ask me, if you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell her? And, um, a lot of things, because I think that, um, really trying to live up to some expectation. I don't even know who, whose expectation it was, right? Like that, mm -hmm. um, it kind of changed a lot of the things that I was doing. And so if I could go back and say, okay, relax, it's all going to be good. It's all going to work out. You will figure it out and stop putting so much pressure on yourself. So yeah, I mean, I think I look, look back and say, I wish I would have believed in myself sooner, earlier, younger. Um, and that's what I hope that my kids are going to get from every ridiculous a conversation I have with them is that, you know, it's, uh, 
you have to see yourself for who you are. Don't try to be anybody else. You can't. Um, and that really enjoy these moments because you only get one of them, right? Like this is every day that goes by. That's the only day that you had when you were whatever, 30 years and 54 days. So, um, I do look back at a lot of things. Now I don't regret anything. I mean, I am where I am today because of every moment in time. So there are, Mm -hmm. you know, things that I probably thought were really big struggles. Now I look back and say, those were just bumps in the road. Um, And that's kind of now how I look forward. I see things as bumps in the road. So, you know, my, the way I look towards the future is no longer, oh, that's going to be a huge struggle. It's like, okay, just like those bumps in the road happened before, that's what's going to happen moving forward. What we're really talking about here is appreciation. That's really what's at the root of it. And and you're identifying all the different ways and all the different things and the different elements in your life that as you look back, you appreciate all of them. That's a really important thing to do, I believe. Not just because it's good to have an appreciation of your own life, but it's also important to appreciate each element individually and spend time on each one. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe the more appreciation that we give to every single thing that we can find in our lives to appreciate, even those things that, like you were describing earlier, you felt ridiculous when you were doing it or whatever, you know, stuff that, that you weren't so proud of at the at the moment. It, even finding ways to appreciate those, that appreciation is, is accumulative. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of builds and builds and builds and builds until it finally gets to the point where all of a sudden your whole life feels like one great big appreci- appreciation pattern. And when you yeah. get there, that, that's when all of a sudden life feels totally abundant for me. Hmm. You, you really realize that um, there, no matter whether it's a really tough day or it's a really great day, there's always something to be grateful for. And that's conversations with that I'll have with people all the time is that it was a horrible day. Everything's miserable. And it was like, okay, tell me there's, there has to be at least one good thing. No, nothing. Nothing's good. no. Okay, let's go through the whole day and let's find one good thing because there's always one good thing. Did you have a great cup of coffee? There you go. One good thing. I mean, mm-hmm. so little things that a lot of people just overlook because they're like that. It really doesn't matter. Oh, no, it does matter. So like all of those things build up to something even bigger. And mm-hmm. so that's really how I look at things now is that it, it is about being grateful, being appreciative, being you know, a, more flexible with, with things. Um, you know, talking, I've been married to my husband for 29 years and I was 21 when we got married. He's, uh, almost 10 years older than me. And so do I appreciate the fact that we are still married? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is, (laughs) but you know, like when you, when we were younger and there, we would have, a discussion, we don't even call it a fight or an argument, but a discussion over something, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And now looking back, you're like, really, that was the worst thing ever? I mean, that's, you know, so perspective on mm-hmm. all of those things that we, you know, could be life-changing decisions based on one conversation and really looking back and saying, I am so thankful that mm-hmm. any of the things that we went through or that I've gone through with my children or, you know, personally that it brought me to exactly where I am today. And I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perspective is huge. That's something I like to talk about a lot here on the show. 
Because the more perspectives you get, first of all, I, I, that's one of the great things about doing a podcast. You get lots of perspectives, lots of different guests, lots of different co-hosts, and you learn from them. Well, well, you one, you do one of two things. You either learn from them or you get pissed off really easily. One or the other. <laughs> and you don't invite them back. Yes. Okay. Well, there's that too, yes. It sounds like children, but not yeah. the get rid of them thing. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It, there's, there's a little bit of a parallel there. But the point is you, you get enough of these these different perspectives going on and you start paying attention to them mm-hmm. and deciding maybe there's something you can learn from them. Boy, oh boy, that's when life gets really amazing. That's when all of a sudden your your own perspective starts shifting in a huge way. You start seeing things a lot less from the viewpoint of, oh, how terrible things are. You start seeing things a whole lot more from how wonderful things are. And and all because you're just hearing all these different perspectives from different people. Yeah. yeah. I tell my kids that um, you can learn something from every person you meet. You just have to listen. You have to ask the questions. You have to be willing to have a conversation because everybody can bring amazing knowledge that something that you haven't thought of before. And I just think that it's so important that, you know, that my kids will laugh at me because obviously we haven't been traveling um, much, although traveling's coming up, Apparently, but, you know, um, in, in the past, like we would go on a family trip and I'd sit down next to someone and I'd start talking and the kids be like, yo, here she goes again. Who, you know, <laughs> she's making a new friend. She's, you know, let's, what is she talking about this time? And, you know, I hear them like doing their little, you know, murmuring about me. <laughs> but, um, I actually think like it's a really positive thing. And I've seen the older kids start to do things like that now too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's great. They're like, oh my gosh, I met this person. And let me tell you the story they told me. Can you believe it? I'm like, see, yeah. Yeah, you talk to a stranger. Okay. I know I told you when you were little, you can't do that. But now that you're older, <laughs> yeah, I know. They're like, mom, you told me. Okay. You're, you're old enough now. You can talk to people. It's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you, it, it's so important to see things from different perspectives and to be able to understand now, sometimes you will never agree with that person and that's okay too, but you still, I still believe that, you know, respect is such a big part of our interactions as humans that, you know, whether you, I mean, there's certain times where it's very, very difficult, but that really understanding someone else's perspective, at least starting by listening to their perspective, um, really helpful. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, listening to it and also finding ways to implement it. That's to me, that's the biggest challenge of all, because especially if it's somebody that you don't really agree with, what can I take from the perspective of somebody I don't agree with and implement it in my own life? And I'll, I'll sometimes take days on that one. Sometimes I'll just throw it away and say, I'm not finding anything. Forget it. Yeah. But, but some days it'll, you know, a piece of a conversation will stick with me and I'll just keep replaying the conversation in my mind. Just that one little piece over and over again. And I, for the longest time, I wondered why I was doing that. I think what I finally have realized is that this is my subconscious mind, in a sense, trying to work through this thing because it knows there's a golden nugget in there. And all I have to do is just keep going until I find that golden nugget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do that sometimes, but, um, you know, I really, I really do believe that that's why we have conversations with people we don't know, because you're going to, you're going to be able to take something away mm-hmm. from it. And like I said, just like my, my, my car trip through Starbucks. It's sometimes it's what not to do. Um, but still it's, it's a learning moment and a different perspective. And it's always really helpful along our journey. And it's, it, it makes things more exciting. 
There's also another element here, too, that's occurring to me that we haven't really touched on, but I want to bring it in, because the more that we talk about other people's perspectives and getting to know people in order to find their perspectives, we're also talking about building our social connectedness. Mm-hmm. And this is a this is a theme I've been I haven't played on a lot in the last few weeks, but over the last three months or so, I've been touching on it quite a bit because of studies that I've seen that demonstrate just how important social connectedness mm-hmm. is in terms of us having the kinds of lives we want to have, in terms of having the kinds of successes we want to have in life. In fact, one of the ones I like to cite a lot is a study that was done by Sean Aker, who is one of the leaders of the positive psychology movement. He was uh, at Harvard University. He was uh, uh, an undergrad there. He was also a grad student. He was part of the original positive psychology department as it was being founded some 20, 25 years ago. And he did a study. He did lots of studies, but he did one particular study with the students of Harvard University where he was trying to get at the root of what it was that enabled Harvard students to be successful with whatever kind of success they were trying to achieve in their lives. And he devised this really long survey that touched on everything you could possibly imagine, you know, their family home life, uh, what, you know, what the circumstances were, whether they came to the school, once they got here, where they major in, you know, what were their study habits, you know, who were their friends, uh, what the, what, 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 what dorm did they live in? Did they join a fraternity? You know, did they, you know, what were all the different things that were involved? And it turned out none of them correlated. As he would track what happened to them both within the school and after they would leave the school, none of them would correlate in a very strong way except for one. One thing connected more than anything else, and I use the word connected advisedly because it was the degree to which they were socially connected that would actually Mm -hmm. allow him to predict how successful they would be in life. And he found that the correlation was 0.7, meaning that 70% of the time their social connectedness would accurately, or lack thereof, would accurately predict their success later on in life. Hmm. That's really and, interesting. And for perspective, um, he also cites the fact that the correlation between smoking cigarettes and getting cancer is 44%. Mm. So it shows you just wow. how strong this correlation is. Yeah. This, this, this is like an unusually high correlation for a social scientist to find. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I'll have to read the study as well, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can really see it. I mean, when you look at, I mean, just think of the last two years and being so isolated and that I think that really affects, has affected, will continue to affect how we move forward in the world and realizing how important it is to um, be able to connect with other people, be able to share, be able to learn from, be able to be involved with all of those things that um, really make a difference and and in our network, not just networking as a as a business piece, but as a network, as our community and feeling part of a community is, mm-hmm. is just so important. So we for put sure. that in, we put that in the context of also gaining perspectives from different people. To me, that what this does is it fleshes out the idea even further. I mean, when I think about the social connectedness study that he did, um, I think about it in terms of, well, you know, what kind of support mechanism do you have in case, you know, you run into tough times. If you've got a good social support network, they're going to help you get through. 
And in fact, that was, that was the main takeaway that he took from his own study. But there's also the perspectives part of it. And he didn't really touch on that part, but it strikes me that's a really, really big part of it. The reason that social connectedness is so effective in that regard is that it is giving you so many different perspectives. And those different perspectives are so many different opportunities to learn more about yourself and about your relationship with others and how you fit into the world and how the world fits into your life, how the mm-hmm. whole thing connects together. Yeah. It helps us to make sense out of life. Mm-hmm. Man, and how you choose to move forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it really all starts with communication. And, you know, when we look at, um, I did a, and this is kind of a little random off topic, but I did a TEDx, uh, at UC Santa Barbara at the beginning of April. And my, I thank you. Yeah. I spoke about, um, talking to kids about bias and really understanding that, like when I had, you know, my first three children, it wasn't really part of a regular conversation because I'm, although I'm Jewish, but you know, we always can, we're we're anti-racist. Like that's how I thought of myself. I didn't realize like, Hey, you have to be having these conversations all of the time. So the power of communication that if you're not talking to your kids, if you're not talking to other people about what's happening, how are they going to know? How are they going to see anything from a different perspective? They're going to, if I don't have a conversation with them, where are they hearing the information from? How many different people are they hearing it from? Mm-hmm. So really looking at, yeah, the, the power of a community and how, you know, you have 10 people in the room and you have 11 different perspectives on things. And that's how, that's how we learn is by, you know, really hearing what other people have to say. So the communication in general, that's all part of the whole community piece. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. Yeah. It, the more that I study this idea of social connectedness, the more I realize it, it has ramifications, it has ripples, kind of like, you know, a pond with, with a stone thrown into the pond. It has ripples just, just keep going and going. And they keep showing up in a, in a myriad of different ways. So I think what I'm saying is I just made the connection mentally, consciously in my mind today of how important it is to understand and appreciate different perspectives and how directly connect that that is to your social connections. And yeah. it's certainly true in my own life. I mean, my own social connectedness was pretty poor until I started doing a podcast. Once I started doing a podcast, I'm reaching out and talking to all these different people. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's it's almost impossible to itemize all the different ways that it has helped me to develop as a human being. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's because that social connection aspect has so many different pieces to it that are Mm -hmm. all contributing. It it really gets me thinking. So I was, uh, I was on a plane going, coming back from my daughter's graduation and there was, um, one of the women that was in my row she was complaining about every single thing. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing was okay. And, you know, now that we're having this conversation, I'm starting to think, is it because she is more isolated? And so she doesn't mm-hmm. know how to react to things that are happening. And instead of just being like, oh my gosh, this woman's annoying, thinking about, okay, how can, how can someone help her? Like, how do you get in a situation where you do have more people around you that you do, um, you have these other conversations so you don't think everything, every little thing is a huge deal that you overreact to because you don't know how to do it any other way. So, mm-hmm. um, again, a good perspective on that one because yeah. at the, in the moment you're like, 
Okay. Just let it all out. What else do you want to complain about? It's all good. Just keep going. Just anything else? Anything else you want to, you know, um, you know, that's what I was thinking inside my head. Um, you know, and on the outside, I'm like, are, are you okay? Um, but, but still that, I mean, it really brings a different perspective for me about that incident because it really makes me think, okay, it, maybe it's, I don't want to say as simple as that, but maybe that's a big piece of it that we, um, if when we don't have that social connectivity, then how do we know how to act in certain situations or how, how do we feel comfortable? It's not about acting because, but how do you feel comfortable in these situations? Because you haven't experienced them. Mm-hmm. And if you start to think about that ripple effect, it, when you, when you think about how it feels when somebody listens to your story with like intention, like they're intending to listen and give you that time. And when you walk away from that experience, how heard you feel, how even loved you feel, even if they were a stranger, if they, you know, sat there and talked to you for five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, just that attention they gave to you in those moments and how big of an impact emotionally that has within our system and within ourselves. Like it is a huge ripple effect connecting and communicating and just listening to other people and spending that time together. It makes the world a different place, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of times we do feel that we're, um, we're alone, but we're not. We just have to be able to reach out and, and, believe in ourselves enough to say, wait, I, I can do this. I can have a conversation with this person and I can see things differently. And, you know, I, the, every, everything is in front of me. Like, let me, let me give it a shot instead of just, you know what, I'm just going to stay home. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you gave it a shot today and joined us to talk about your experiences yeah. in your life and, and how they've shaped the human being that you've become today. Um, but before we uh, say goodbye, we need to get some information from you just in case people want to find out. Because first of all, you have a book. We haven't even talked about the book. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. got to mention that part. And we got to find out how do we reach out to you. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my book is called The Extraordinary Unordinary You. And Ooh. it's all about realizing what you're capable of and recognizing that the little things you do every day matter. And a lot of our stories about our family and the, you know, our kids' adoption stories, Lots of stuff in there. Everything that I really wanted to, that I like talking about that I wanted to kind of put down on paper. Um, you can find me on my website, simonecanego.com. Um, I'm on social media. I think I'm still the only Simone Canego in the world. So, um, <laughs> if you search me, you will find me. And yeah, I would love to, I mean, I love having conversations because the more perspectives I, you know, can, can be exposed to, the, the better. And, you know, love to hear from people when they shoot me an email or send me a message on Instagram. So please don't hesitate to reach out. We'll be sure to include in the show notes to links so that they can actually find their way easily to the website and easily Absolutely. to the book so they can all find it really quick. Great. But no, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today. And, and Jody Lynn, we're so glad that you're back. Yeah, glad yeah. to be back. This is a wonderful conversation, Simone. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me here today. I mean, I, I was, uh, doing the interviews without you the last couple of weeks and I kept thinking, it's not the same without Jody. It's not the same. <laughs> uh, see the connectedness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Different perspective. Yep. <laughs> That's I why it. I love being here too. Yeah. It's fabulous. So great to have you back. 
And uh, of course, yeah. uh, we, we won't be doing shows next week because Louise and I are going to be away, but we'll be picking up again the following week. So, Jody, we'll see you then. Absolutely. And, uh, Simone, thank you once again for joining us. And thank you to all of our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>